hallelujah. Oh, good morning. Come on, hallelujah. Let us all stand to our feet as we prepare to come in this place to open up our sensitivities. Hallelujah. Let the Lord pour into us. Hallelujah. We serve a mighty God, an awesome God. Hallelujah. A healing God, a noble God. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you know his name? Hallelujah. There's many people around the world that worship a God. Hallelujah. Or some form or fashion of an entity or multiplicity of entities. But the new thing is they do not know him. They do not know his name. But today I am here to proclaim that is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The all-knowing God. Hallelujah. The God that knows everything about us. When he was on the cross over 2,000 years ago, he thought about your name. Hallelujah. He went ahead and died to be the propitiation for our sins that we may have an opportunity to live in here, to live with him for an eternity in heaven. Hallelujah. We serve a glorious God and he is in this place today. And if you are here to receive today, I pray that you have come here with a spirit of expectation, but even more so, the spirit of acceptation. Prepare to receive what the Lord has in store for us. Go ahead and praise the Lord and worship him with us.
just a beautiful time to just look at the world. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, verse 33. So good to see each and every one of you in the house of the Lord today. I believe before we leave here, God is going to do a work in me. How about that? I hope you join me and allow him to do a work in you. Praise God. This is on and off, so I'm going to switch back. Let's give him praise. So here, it says, when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right and the other on the left. And this was what Jesus said. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Enormous weight of the world being thrust upon him. In front of him, this crucifixion, and that moment, the blood, the nails, the crown of thorns. And if he was going to say something, what was it he was going to say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then they parted his raiments and cast lots, and the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them, deriding him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ. The chosen of God and the soldiers mocked him, coming to him, offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be king of the Jews, save thyself. And the superscription was also written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. This is the king of the Jews. I want to talk to you today uh, a subject in simplicity. I'll give you a more extended title in a moment. But I'm going to borrow my title from something you've all heard before. Hurting people hurt people. And we are called to hurting people. Hurting people hurt people. And we are called to hurting people. Pastor Munden, would you lead us in prayer? Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord, and call on your holy name, Lord Jesus. For you to open up, Lord, our spiritual eyes, Lord, and ears, Lord. Let us feel, Lord, uh, the sensibilities, Lord Jesus, hallelujah, of your truth, Lord. Let us not believe, Lord, what the world is trying to feed us, Lord. But your word says, let the Lord be truth, and every man a liar. Let us hear your word today, Lord, as it speaks truth to us, Lord Jesus. Coming through our pastor, Lord, let him, Lord, be your voice, Lord Jesus, speaking to this world, Lord. We thank you, we praise you, and we pray, Lord, that and we know that this will be profitable for us, Lord, throughout and through it. We thank you, we praise you, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand of praise. Smile at your neighbor. Give them a high five. Tell them bless you in Jesus' name and you can be seated. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I would say about a month ago, 2 o'clock in the morning, not my usual time that God awakens me. Hallelujah. 
but this day he did. And I love, you ever look at the clock when you're woken in the middle of the night and you're like, you, you think it might be six or seven and, and you wipe your eyes to see, oh, it's 1.53. And you, you're wide awake and, and I was wide awake and I just went ahead and did, I, I just knew, go ahead and get up. Go ahead and go to your office. So I, I, I did, I, I, I just marched myself. I carried my things with me and I, I marched myself to my office and as I sat there, God began to deal with me about I'm going to, I want you to write this down. Began to write it down. And it, it, it was some personal, some, personally it was some deep untouched areas in my life that I began to write. And I was like, God, why am I writing this? And as the night went on, he, he told me, you're going to write a book. And I'm, I'm not a book writer. I, I've written books of, of notes and I've written and papers and all, all of that, but that's just not, uh, I, I don't put myself on display and transparency and all those things. But So I began to write down uh, that night every thought that was coming to my head and they were coming fast. There was fire, one right after another. Before I knew it, I, I probably had half a book written. And I, it will not be coming out soon. Thank you very much. But, uh, but God was teaching me something in that. And, and that was this. I, I never understood when I was young in the Lord and had a call and a desire for ministry. I never understood how what I was doing in the world and, and to make a living for my family at all had anything to do, uh, what, what I was doing naturally had anything to do with what I was doing spiritually. I separated the two. I didn't understand. I thought this is just a, you know, part of my curse that I got to go do and make enough money to put a roof over my children and shoes on their feet and feed their hungry little bellies. And that, that's what I thought I was doing there. And it wasn't until some years later that God began to deal with me on how he was using me in that setting dually with my faith since he had, since I had been born again. I, I didn't understand it at first. It took me a while. I know y'all got it, but I was hard-headed. It took me a while to finally figure out what uh, this meant. So, uh, so I say that to say to you, hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. People that have been hurt in life by others. Their circumstances, their failures, their uncrossable obstacles are often the very ones to cause hurt and pain in the life of others. Especially those that you are closest to. Because we often think we are helping as we inflict unnecessary pain. And so the cycle continues. Amen. Can I get a witness? Yes. So, so with this, I never could understand what I was doing as a paramedic had anything to do with what I was doing in my faith life, except trying to be a good witness, except trying to share the message of hope, the message of the gospel with a lot of people that at times I didn't see. I never thought they were receiving it, but ultimately I did uh, see that they were, many of them were receiving it, even though I didn't see my personal ev evidence uh, box didn't get loaded up with that was happening. It was. And 
So I, I, I take you back for a moment to a, to a time when I, I, I was responding. And if you wonder why I've been kind of talking about some of this, I apologize if some of it's a little graphic. I, I'll try to change the stories to where it's not really personal. And, and I'll try not to be just too paramedic-y on you, okay? <laughs> because I know that can kind of get ugly. And, and, and for me, it's just natural. Um, but... But uh, so so I was uh, we, we were called to a place called Green and Go, and uh, in town and I've been called there many other times but this time it was the middle of the night and a drug deal had went down and there was somebody that was stabbed we got there we threw this guy on the stretcher he's leaking blood out of his chest he had been stabbed what I thought looked to be just right through the heart and pouring blood out there. We slammed him on the gurney. We threw him into the back of the ambulance. We began to take care of him. He was m mostly unconscious, but every once in a while he would come up with a, you know, just a look and then he'd just go back. His blood pressure was about uh, maybe 60 palpable. His pulse is weak and thready. His respirations uh, to Kipnik and, and, and I knew and the person I was working with knew and all the people that were around us, the firemen and the police, they knew this guy's sinking fast and we began to work and I'm the one that chose to mount the stretcher. This position in the back of an ambulance that uh, this person's here and this person's here and, and I see I started an IV on this side of 14 gauge garden hose is what we called it right here and I began to immensely pour uh, IV fluids to replace all the blood that he had lost and as that as those IV fluids are going in that left arm in that antecubital region I said you know what we got to have another one and I hop over that stretcher and I grab his right arm all this fluid is about to go in I mean we drop 800 milliliters before you know it in that big 14 gauge cath line and I reach down with my four other 14 gauge unknowing to what this man may be feeling as he somewhat comes to consciousness and I have what looks to be a shank or a knife is about this big and I'm coming down at him, on top of him, and I'm there to help this guy. We gotta get him to the emergency room and we got to drop some blood in this man quick or he's gonna die. But we gotta have a route. So as I come down to start this 14 gauge IV on this guy and it goes through the skin, suddenly enough fluids have gone in that left arm that he wakes up. And when he wakes up, his eyes open and they look at me. I am not looking at him. I am looking at this hole that I'm jabbing in his arm. Okay. And I'm trying to make this happen because I am trying with everything in me to save this man's life. He is hurting. He is dying. He is at the doors of death. He is in hypovolemic shock and there is no doubt about it. And all of a sudden... I am on top of this stretcher and I feel this immense pain go through my entire body that I have never felt before. This 300 pound physical specimen of a man that probably lived at what was then not Planet Fitness but the only way you'd relate up to it today, Planet Fitness. I mean he had biceps that were bulging. He had his legs had rocks sticking off of them. 
and suddenly this giant leg, Herculean leg, rises up. Me, I'm not looking at him. I'm not looking at his leg. I am looking at his vein, and I am about to put my needle or the hem of my shank in his arm. And I feel this pain. It is debilitating. I've never felt pain like that before in my life as he struck my abdomen and pelvis area with enormous force. And I, I just was like, and everybody's watching. It's like the slow motion. Nobody's doing anything. Everybody's like. I, I look at the person I'm working with. I look at the two firemen. Two police officers. Like, Everybody's just giving me the, what's, what's he going to do? What's going to happen? And then suddenly, my fight or flight kicks in. I don't know what to do. Because when you just got kicked that hard, it goes through your brain. Do I fight back? Right? Or do I run? Size of this guy looks like I run. That's the best thing to do. But I just stuck him with this 14 gauge and blood is flowing back out of it just about as much as it's flowing out of that knife wound. And so for about a minute, I want to fall in the bed with him and let him start taking care of me. And then the flight kicks in. And I realize he's better at the hospital than he is right here. There's a lot more people to handle Hercules than there is on the back of his ambulance on green and gold. And finish my IV. I jump out. Everybody's like, you okay? Yeah, I'm okay now. I get in. We get him there. We get blood in him. He goes to surgery. It's a trauma center. Everything's happening fast. Ultrasounds are coming out. X-ray, CT scans, all those things. Whole blood is just flowing in this man, and he lives. I don't know what happened now. He lived. He got out of the hospital. God is good. But the old saying is true. Hurting people hurt people. Sister Crutchfield teaches our firm foundation class, and in one of the classes, she, if you've never been through, go through it. You're going to love it. But in one of the classes, you're going to go through this class, and she is going to tell you this, and you are going to remember it because she's going to tell it to you at least five times that night in firm foundation or that day. And what are you going to tell them? And what else are you going to tell them? If you can feel it, God hasn't healed it. Right. If, anybody know that? If you can hurting people hurt people, and if you can feel it, God hasn't healed it. If you can feel it, God. Obviously, nothing was healed on this man. He felt something, and he hurt me. I was there to help him. I was trying to save his life. But he hurt me probably at that moment in time worse than I had ever hurt in my life. He hurt me. He was a hurting person. He was a dying man. People that have been hurt in life by others 
by circumstances, by failures, by uncrossable objects and obstacles, and often are often the very ones and the very things that will cause hurt and pain in the lives of others, especially those they are closest to, often thinking they are helping as they inflict this unnecessary pain. And the cycle continues. Hurting people hurt people. If you can feel it, God hasn't healed it. Can I tell you that? If you can feel it, God hasn't healed it. Well, I got over this 20 years ago, Pastor. I'm good. If you can feel it, if you still feel it, if it still comes up, if you still feel that pain, could have been a different marriage, but you still feel it towards your wife now or towards your husband now. It, it, it could have been a different person, but guess what? You relate that same employer, that same uncle, that same person that hurt you. You still relate every uncle to that I think it was Brother Munden that mentioned Tony Dungy. I'm going to mention another coach. Deion Sanders. Where y'all at? In Buffalo's fans? Cornerback turned coach stated on the X just a few months ago, hurting people hurt people. It's my prayer, Deion Sanders, that all will seek help and attend to the pain we deal with daily. Prayerfully, this will eliminate the actions of hurting people to hurt people. Prayer still works. Prayer still changes things. And a time assisted with spiritual help can heal a multitude of feelings and emotions. Now, back to church. My mission today and what God has sent me for this morning is to pull you out of what has been hindering you from truly having overcoming Power. I'm not talking about a real good feel good. I'm not talking about a touch that you leave here feeling a little better than you came so you can get back here next Sunday and get another touch. But I am talking about the power of Christ. I'm talking about the power of healing. I am talking about overcoming power that God wants to infuse into your life to where you're no longer seen before. Yes, yes. Much like this gentle giant, this Herculean figure on my stretcher that night woke up in that ambulance after I replaced his blood loss and IV fluids and I was standing over his stabbed body as his chest was draining blood like a kid's Kool-Aid bottle does when they're thirsty, just pouring out and out and out. Can I tell you, he hurt me. He stopped me in my tracks from doing what I was supposed to be doing. I had never been stopped from doing what I was supposed to be doing. I was good at that. And I had a mission to get that IV no matter what so this man could get blood. But he stopped me in my tracks because he was hurt. 
and he heard me. Ephesians 4 and 32 says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving. Forgiving one another. Even when people kick you. Even when people kick you and you have never felt that much pain in your life. You know what you were commanded to do? You were commanded to forgive them. Because Jesus said, they don't know what they do. I had another man not probably just a few weeks before in back of the ambulance and run into the hospital and he starts fiddling around with something. And before you know it, he pulls out a Walmart bag. Man, those things are a weapon. <laughs> no, I kid you not. He pulls out this rock. I'm not paying attention to everything. I'm trying to get my paperwork done. You know what I mean? So drop and go. Y'all don't have paperwork at work. You know, I'm trying to multitask. You know, I'm not, I, was a multi, I wasn't a good multitasker. I was trying to multitask. This guy's taking rocks and putting them in his bag. He, he was hurting. He had some true mental and emotional diagnosis, and he needed help. But at that moment, I had him trapped in, a, in an ambulance, and he whips out those bags, and he commences to swing. And I commenced to tell my partner to pull his ambulance over very quickly. So I opened the door and let him exit the stage left. Be kind to one to another. Kind of, sir, you can go. And then I, didn't, I never realized we had a, a guy, IV drug user, that was a diabetic. He was dropping, and I was having to was having to give him some Narcan to alleviate all of his drugs. And I was having to give him sugar to get his diabetes level because it was on the ground. Some diabetics may understand what I'm talking about there. And, and, and so as I started this IV, I pulled it out and uh, accidentally with this IV drug user jabbed my own self with this needle. And man, you're talking about feel? I think that felt worse than that kick. It's like this feeling goes from your head to your toes, vibrates. It's just. <laughs> I'm going to tell my wife this. How many people are going to tell me I should have been more careful this before needless days that they got these needless systems? I mean, you just had a big old needle and a cat line on the end of it. AIDS was very popular. All these problems. And, but it wasn't his fault. And in a roundabout way, he hurt me. But he was hurting. He didn't mean to. And then I had this one guy. I'll quit with this. He was an alcoholic. His family didn't know what else to do. 
Maybe some of you have been there. So they call 911. What am I going to do? And we went out there, and he was like, leave me alone. I'm in my bed. I'm in my bedroom. And everything's good. Okay. I just need to find out what day it is. He rolled over. Looked like he was grabbing a calendar. My partner was on the other side. I was on this side, the opposite side. And all of a sudden, I see my partner diving after this man's arm. As he is trying to pull some, I don't know, 38 special out of his bed tray to ultimately point at me and shoot me. I'm guessing my partner's fast reactions because he had already reacted before I even realized what was happening. Uh, I, I won't tell you I was some hero in the moment. <laughs> Until he had that, my partner had that gun in his hand, handing it to the police officer. I didn't even know there was a gun. And I really didn't even know this bothered me until I wrote it that night that God led me. And I wrote it and it was fine. And my wife got up the next day and I didn't write it. I started reading it. And I started uncontrollably crying because I had hidden these emotions that I had felt all these years hurting people hurt people. But these were real emotions. These were things that I felt. These were things that I went through. These are things that I experienced. These are things that I knew that had happened in my life. And yet Ephesians 4 and 32 tells me be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. But if you just repress all of these emotions and you never deal with them in a spiritual, healthy way, it concerns me that someday at the wrong time and at the wrong moment, these things are going to come back in your life. And often what happens is they come out, you vomit them out on the people that you are closest to. Make any sense this morning for anybody? Part of the things at times that lead us to church is often our hurts. Perhaps you're healed, but that healing is not why you came to church. You didn't get a healing and then you came to church. You came to church and then you got a healing. But when you walk through the doors of that sanctuary, you were hurting. Something was wrong. We search from our hurting hearts, not our whole hearts, for our Savior. We need Jesus to touch us and to heal us. And sometimes we don't even know we are broken. We, we, we have to have him. We leave sometimes on Sunday satisfied with a touch. I felt joy. I have felt that in a while. That's good. Let's mark that up. Let's head out the exit door. Let's go get some Popeyes and some Cajun rice and go home. And we're good till next week. But we never really got delivered. We got to touch. We need Jesus to not just touch us, but to heal us. Jesus wants to take your heart and make it whole. He doesn't want you to have to live inside the pain of the memories of the past, 
but he wants to get you to a place of deliverance to where they no longer hurt when you bring them up because what you will be able to say is I have been made whole. I have been healed. God has touched my life in a way and now I don't respond to that old pain. I don't feel it anymore. Why? Because God has healed it. But pastor, what if you still feel it? Well, if you still feel it, then God has not healed it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What if I told you of our Savior was not just designed to be a power coming from the Redeemer and Him doing everything, but understanding this, it's not just the power of the Redeemer, it's the power of the Receiver. In other words, you have to receive his redeeming power in order to be redeemed. In order to have overcoming power, you have to open yourself up and say, Jesus, touch me wherever you need to touch me, however you need to touch me. I need to be made whole. Can I tell you, Jesus was walking on word, working magic. He was walking on earth, working miracles. is doing. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Let's see. Kick me. He hurled a rock in the back at me. used to. They've been misused and mistreated by employers who left them with debilitating back pain from lifting whatever that employer needed that employee to lift and now they are paralyzed and now they can't do anything else and they're angry and they're upset and they are divorced and they've been divorced and, and, and maybe they've been through three or four marriages at this point because somebody continues to hurt them and leave them in desperation and, says seven times is that enough Lord and Jesus says no not seven times but 77 times or seven times 
70. Hence why some people come into the house of God and they receive a touch, not total deliverance, and they leave and they're not changed. All of a sudden the hurt comes back into their life again. All of a sudden the circumstance, a reminder comes up and they're like, oh, that hurts. I'm not going back there. I'm not going around that person. They remind me of the perpetrator who hurt me. Bugs 
exit. <laughs> Stage left. Over and over again we see Jesus in his earthly ministry. What he did. When God manifested in flesh and walked on this earth, what did he do? And over and over again we see, here's one example. John 9, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents? Isn't it amazing how we, how we church people? Yes. I mean, come on. Give me an amen on that. You've said it. Who sinned? Who did that? Whose fault was that? That didn't just happen, did it? And Jesus answers, neither did this man sin, nor his parents. Here's what it is. And if y'all if y'all been looking, you might understand this. The works of that the works of God should be manifest in him. That the, that's what that's what happened. I must work the works of him that sent me while this day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground. This is, this, to me, this is Jesus making some uh, homeopathic concoction and mixes his faith with it and, and rubs up this clay with his spit in which his spit had to be a potent. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam which if by interpretation sent, he went his way therefore and washed and came see, he received sight. Luke 8, verse 41, this guy comes to him, very influential man, ruler of the synagogue named Jairus. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come to his house for he had one only daughter. She was 12 years old and she lay dying. Can you imagine I mean, can you, I want you to really think about that. Here's this leader of the synagogue. I mean, this is the key, right? And, and then he comes to Jesus, come to my house. I've got one daughter, only one, and, and she is dying. Okay. Let's head that way. And then along the way, there's this lady. She's had this issue for 12 years. She's not dying. I mean, she's been dealing with this for 12 years. We got to get Jesus here to this house, right? Doesn't that make sense? We got to get Jesus to this house. And sometimes what we think is important is not necessarily what is the priority. And this woman pushed through who had this, it was a major issue because of how long it was, but it was a minor issue in response to you've got somebody dying. I mean, A, B, C, right? And, and, and all of a sudden, she stepped into the press. And she touched the hem of his garment. And, and this whole press was stopped. And not moving forward. And this whole press was stopped. And she touched the hem of his garment. And he's like, who touched me? I'm sure Jay Iris or his men or whoever was there was thinking, let's keep this thing going, lady. He can heal your issue later. My daughter is about to die. 
everything to everybody, right? I mean, we all have our priorities and we get hurt when things don't happen like we want them to happen. I'm sure Jay Iris, if he was there, was thinking, man, come on, Jesus, my, my daughter is dying. And, and we would be thinking the same thing unless it was our issue that we'd had for 12 years. And we had a chance to touch the one that could do something about it. So she pushes her way and she stops the press and she touches him and, and she and instantly uh, he feels virtue flowing out and he's like, who touched me? I'm going to go, crap, you don't know who touched you. And, and we, we know the story and Jesus heals her. While he yet spake, he's, he's speaking now in this setting and there comes one from the ruler's house saying to him, your daughter's dead. He's like, I'm healed on one side of the platform. And on the other side of the platform, your daughter's dead. Y'all get what I'm saying here? When Jesus heard it, he answered and said, fear not, believe only, she'll be made whole. And when he came to the house, he suffered not a man to go in, save Peter and James and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden, and all wept and bewailed her. But he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleeping. They laughed at him, and he put them all out. He all lack of faith. You gotta go. You gotta have some believers in here. If you don't believe, go grab your Popeye. It's hot and ready. That's a little Caesars, isn't it? Five dollars, or it used to be. Probably not anymore. I think I paid seven dollars last time. It was better at five dollars. And it says, He called, saying, Maid, arise. Her spirit came again. And she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat, and her parents were astonished. But he charged them that they should tell no one what was done. Jesus. Jesus healed this woman that had an issue for 12 years. Jesus healed people of leprosy. Jesus, not only that, Jesus cast out this demonic spirit from this man who had a multitude of devils and he, he cast them out and, and suddenly this man that had been walking around in a graveyard and had no peace suddenly has peace and is made whole and you'd think everybody would be shouting and everybody would be excited because God had touched the hurting and healed the hurting but their money was gone because when those pigs went overboard or off into the water all their money went what are you saying, Pastor? Guess clean church isn't real church. Clean church isn't real church. If we don't invite the desperate, if we don't invite the prostitute, I'm trying to be clean. If we don't invite the one that's on your evening news, if we don't invite the one 
that doesn't smell like Dracar and Dial mixed together, but smells more like the smoke from the bar and the alcohol resonating from their lips and the scabs on their arms from the needles that were stuck in their veins last night and the drugs that they're addicted to because their life has been full of hurt and pain and turmoil and terrible decisions and bad choices and they don't know Jesus. Guess what? Sometimes we've got to realize it's not going to be what we think it's about. Because, can I tell you, if we don't invite the desperate to church because they mess up the perfection that we may have going on, that we're more concerned with men's admiration than we are with the Son of Man's mission. I don't know about you. I want to be about His mission. I want to see that people are made whole. So we're going to have to deal with stuff. It's just going to be part of life. People are going to kick you when you're trying to help them. They're going to pull weapons on you when you're trying to come at them with things that are designed to help them and not hurt them. But they don't understand that because of the place that they're in. But can I tell you, if we can understand what we're called to do, we can lead people to a cross that is a real cross that they can receive the complete deliverance that Jesus Christ has for their life. They don't have to wake up in the middle of the night with those depressing noises and sounds anymore. They don't have to have the anxiety any longer that they can't even come to church because they can't leave their house when they're made whole. When they're made whole. They won't have to rely on medication to numb them to be able to go somewhere but God himself will be with them walking each and every step along the way. Can I tell somebody here, you can be healed. If you feel it, if you felt anything today, if you felt pain at all, it's because there's still some things in there. Can I tell you, the Lord of glory is in this house. I know he is. I feel him so much on this platform. If you don't feel him out there, come up here with me. I promise you, you will feel the anointing of him. Just why
God can deliver you from resting thoughts. God can deliver you from sickness after sickness. We call that infirmity. God can heal you from your diseases. God can heal your family member right now. He just needs somebody ready to receive that miracle. He needs somebody to say, I, here I am, Lord. I'm going to hear you. I'm going to respond. And I tell you, somebody that needs a miracle ought to already be in this altar right now. Somebody that needs God to move in your child's life. There's a Jay Iris right here today. And you need God. Maybe your daughter, maybe your child's not physically dead. But there's some emotional things that have been going on. And they're about to be counted out. And God's wanting to know, are you going to have the kind of faith that's willing to put everything else and everybody else's response out of the way and you're going to respond to Him? I want to hear you, God. I want to feel you. I know you're able. Lord, I know that you're able to do this, Jesus. Here I am, Lord. I'm going to come as the believer ready to receive the healing for my marriage, ready to receive the healing for my home, ready to receive the healing for my child, ready to receive the healing for my co-worker, ready to receive, oh God, the healing for the one that I talked to the other night on the phone, a distant family member, a cousin that lives somewhere else. God, I believe it. I receive it today. You are the miracle worker. There is deliverance in this house. Oh God, your power is in this place. And I receive it today. I receive it today. Is there a vessel here ready to receive God's miracle? Is there a vessel here ready to receive what God wants to do with your heart and your life? He wants to heal your hurts. All you got to do is come up here and pray. God, I forgive them. God, I don't know why I'm here. But here am I. I need you. I need you. The Holy Ghost is in this place. God is really speaking to your life. Speaking in your spirit. Still small voice. Or a distant whisper speaking into your life. Guiding and directing you. Would you hear his voice right now? Quit being afraid. Quit holding back and saying another time. Quit, quit saying, I, I, I've done this before. No. Walk up here in faith. Walk up here ready to receive your miracle. Walk up here ready to receive your deliverance. Walk up here ready to receive that mindset that is a God-inspired mindset to change your mind. Walk up here ready to receive that. somebody that came in need of a healing today don't miss this moment don't wait till another opportunity you need to come find one of these altar workers and say please bring some oil and anoint me and pray for me right now i've got a diagnosis and i know god is able to heal that diagnosis the healer is here today you ought to already be in this altar oh there's a couple you ought to have your spouse by the hand on your way up here saying god fix this we we tried but we need you we need you, God. We need you. There's somebody who got a child or a grandchild. You've been looking for help, but you kind of been looking at maybe some of the wrong places. And you need to bring them to the altar and say, God, here you go. Touch our family.
close this out for a little different In a moment, Brother Monday will come when we finish give you announcements and dismiss you. But before that, I, I just I want us to pray a prayer before you leave, before you walk out of here today. And I know your story. Maybe it's prettier than mine. Or maybe it's much worse than mine. Because I know both are here. Had a pastor that helped me when I was in Uganda. He was my right hand guy. And I remember one night he began to tell me what happened to him when he was in his home or could come back to his home one night. His village had been raided. His parents, his brothers and sisters all gone. Friends, uncles, aunts, everyone gone. And yet, he continued to preach. He continued to reach people. Even perhaps reaching people that hurt him. That's what we've got to have. I want you to pray in just a moment. Father, forgive them. But not just for the hurt they caused in your life. That's kind of, it's not easy, but it's kind of easy. I want you to pray to forgive them for the hurt they caused in your child's life, in your parents' life, in your spouse's life. I know there's soldiers here. We expect battle scars. But family and friends, that's different. But the prayer is the same. Would you close your eyes with me? Lift your hands, bow your head, however you feel. Father, I pray right now. God, I don't want a touch only. I want complete deliverance. I don't want to feel better and barely make it back here next week. I want the overcoming power. And with that, I know, God, I've got to allow you to heal me internally. All those places, all those things. So right now, I pray this prayer. Father, I forgive them of what they've done to me. I forgive them of what they've done to my children. I forgive them of what they've done to my family. I forgive them for what they've done to my spouse. I forgive them for what they've done to my parents. I forgive them, God, for what they've done to my friends. I forgive them. I release them. I let them go. I do not hold them accountable. God, I let them go in the name of Jesus. Not only that, God, I pray you bless them. 
I pray you bless them. I pray you prosper them. God, I pray that you help them. I pray you save them. I pray you give them strength. I pray you give them deliverance power. God, I pray you give them, I pray it right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I hold no grudge. God, I release all anger. I release all bitterness. I release all of those things in the name of Jesus. Healing flows through my veins, not hurt. Healing flows through my veins, not hurt, God. By your blood, I am healed. By your stripes, I am healed. In the name of Jesus.
you're praying, continue to pray. We definitely don't want to interrupt or disturb that. Um, thank you, Pastor, for a great message. That uh, hurting people hurt people. And we have to remember with Jesus that when Jesus was crucified on the cross, we had a world that was hurting, that was looking for a different type of Savior, a different gospel. And so they were hurting, and they hurt other people. But the Lord gave his life. But, of course, he came as a sacrificial lamb, and he'll be returning as a conquering king. The Lord has given us the authority to take dominion that in our pain, in our hurting, um, that we're able to minister from that and not hurt others, definitely. But also to not let us be destroyed or hurt by others who are who or have been hurting. Sometimes when they don't even realize that they were hurt. But we have to lift up our voices and pray for them. And sometimes they just don't do things right. But we know that we serve a God that answers prayers and we have to use that pain to pray for those that hurt us. We don't have to be praying, but we have to pray for those that hurt us. If we could all please stand as we close out with our closing prayer and definitely for our offering, please do not forget our announcements. They're all in our bulletin for this week. We have, um, this evening we have singles with purpose, single with purpose at 4.30 p.m. Um, we have other events that are going on throughout the week that are usual events, but also some of the events that we don't have every week. We have Friday and Saturday our Winter Youth Conference. Uh, remember, if you have already purchased, well, there are no more tickets, but for those, just remember, be mindful, be here on time on Friday for the bus or the van when it leaves. Um, Saturday, we have our Consuming Fire Prayer at um, 8 a.m., and we have um, a deadline for divorce care. So it's about to close uh, to register for divorce care. We have those who have been married before or uh, are currently married but have been married before. Um, if you want to participate, there's a time of healing, you know. So uh, th that's what this program is about, is to help those to be better for if they choose to remarry or if they're in a marriage now, to keep that old one from affecting their new one. So, um, baby dedication, if you have any children or someone, some member of this church that needs to have their child um, dedicated, uh, we wanna make sure that you have an opportunity to do that. That's on March 10th at 9.30. Link up with Sister Christy Lynn to make sure you get your name put on the list. And then Life Kids is accepting donations uh, eggs, candy, money, all kind of stuff for the annual um, um, egg hunt coming up in a few weeks, all right? So make sure you take part in that. So as we give back into the kingdom, uh, we're going to pray that the Lord just blesses it and blesses us as we go on our way. Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, we are thankful, Lord, that you have ministered here to us today. We pray, Lord, that uh, as we give back, Lord, into this service, Lord, that you would just continue to watch over us, keep us, and bless us, Lord. Let us give, Lord, with a cheerful heart, Lord, as we give back into the kingdom, Lord, to support the efforts, Lord, to, to spread the gospel, Lord, your word, your love, your truth, in Jesus' name, and the congregation said, amen. Amen.
God bless. Come on down. Give your offering. And be blessed as you go on your way.